Right, so my deadline for a feature is just a few days away and I'm really struggling to find case studies. I've been told about Cision's media request service, which helps journalists find interviews and quotes at short notice. So here goes. Cision.co.uk dash journalist hyphen services dash media hyphen requests dash. Great, this is just what I need. PR for companies, charities, leading lifestyle brands, it's all here. Ooh, it even says that if I don't have time to put the request out myself, we've all been there, right? Cision Media Requests team are on hand to help out. And hey, for a rainy day, they can even direct you to PRs in specific sectors, so no faffing around with hashtag journal requests. Content, samples, case studies, sources, I've got it all here on cision.co.uk dash journalist hyphen services dash media hyphen requests dash Consider this feature filed. Hello and welcome to Freelancing for Journalists. I'm Lily Cantor. And I'm Emma Wilkinson. We're both experienced freelance journalists and in each episode, with the help of our two fabulous guests, we give practical tips on key issues you face when working for yourself. Yes, we're now at the end of Series 9, but we're bringing you this special bonus podcast. Yes, so Emma and I are both print journalists by trade, so we don't really have a lot of experience um, working in broadcast, be that TV, radio or even podcasts really. So in this episode, we're going to grill two members of the Freelancing for Journalists family to give you an insight into what it's like on the broadcast side of working for yourself. We're going to introduce them in a minute, but first, Lily, what's your highlight of the week? Yes, so I had to have a think about this because we've been recording podcast episodes back to back, so we're having to come up with new highlights. Um, but I think mine is a big interview uh, that I did this week with the director of sustainability for a big footwear brand in America. He was actually sitting in Silicon Valley whilst I was sat here freezing at home. Um, but what was so great about the interview was I was really able to grill him on some of the kind of myths and misinformation, perhaps, that are... Um, are expressed by some of the the big shoe brands when it comes to sustainability and there's quite a lot of greenwashing going on but he was very open uh, very receptive to my grilling and he was really very much the final piece in the puzzle when it came to this this big feature so it was really good to to get that interview done and, and to have quite a bit of time to spend with him as well how about you Emma what's been your big highlight this week yeah that all sounds very positive um Mine is I had been putting off writing a feature that I'd been working on for quite a long time, but I'd done lots of interviews in and amongst doing other jobs, multitasking, not actually got around to the writing of it. And it was one of those things where the thinking about it was way, way worse than it actually doing it because it had all been spread out over weeks and I'd kind of lost the thread of what I was doing. Once I just sat down and focused on it, it only took a few hours and it was all sorted. So my top tip for this week is just start, just start, stop worrying about things and just do them. Yeah, I know that feeling when you've got a big feature and you, yeah, you feel like, I don't know where to start with it. This is going to take forever and you keep putting it off and putting it off. Um, but yeah, just just get on with it. <laughs> just crack, yeah. crack on um, and you'll, you'll get into it much quicker than you think. 
Okay, fantastic. So we've got this bonus podcast episode today and we're going to be chatting to Helen Quinn and Maddie Drury, who you've probably heard of if you ever get to the end of our podcast episodes. We always um, give them a shout out. So we've got them here today um, for in front of the, the mic instead. Yeah, so to mix it up a bit, rather than us introduce them, we're going to get them to introduce themselves and what they do. So Helen, let's start with you. Tell us about your freelance life and the the work that you do. So hi. Yeah, it's funny being on this side, being asked the questions instead of asking. But um, yeah, so I do, I'm a freelance health journalism, a journalist, and then I'm also working TV for half the week. So I do half journalism and half TV work. Um, so my TV work involves um, writing scripts for documentaries and I also come up with ideas for new commissions so I do a lot of the development of TV ideas and write them up into development documents. Um, with the health journalism I do, um, my background science so health journalism works quite well for me. Um, so I do a lot of news writing, I do news shifts, um, I do feature writing sometimes and I also do editing commissioning. Um, for various companies so that's me really. And Maddie you're in broadcast journalism but you do something different to Hello so can you tell us a bit about what it is that you do? Yeah so slightly differently to Helen I divide my month kind of to different outlets rather than my week so um, I largely spend two weeks a month with Sky News doing planning producing so that means I could be looking as far ahead as two months down the line we know there might be a big budget coming up that they want to plan around whether it's for where to put their breakfast tv presenter or a longer form documentary around who it might impact or it's um, as tight as um, who we're going to put um, on the breakfast program tomorrow morning um, but previously with Sky I did interviews producing which is all about getting guests on um, very quickly um, so that's my progression there and then the other half of the month I'll either be working for the BBC World Service doing shift work on their newsroom program um, which is largely writing radio scripts um, or I'll be with BBC Newscast, which is a fun, creative, engaging way of looking at the day's news agenda that we build from 11am all the way until about 10pm <laughs> at night. Fantastic. I think first, before we ask you each any questions, we need to dig down a bit into those jobs, those roles that you have that our listeners might not be as familiar with or understand kind of how it works. So Helen, coming to you first, on the the TV side of your week um that's you know the script writing all that aspect can you tell us how you got into that and sort of when you're doing a a day of that work what it what it looks like sure so um my background is initially as I was saying science so I ended up I, I was working in academia a little bit and then I actually found that I preferred writing the kind of style that we all write in now so I moved into science media and that for me ended up being television um, I, I got placement on Horizon and so um, at the BBC and I basically kind of worked up from there from being a, a science researcher up to where I'm now which is um, kind of producer director or development producer and so both at the moment a script writer which is kind of um, yeah script producing basically generating ideas um and then writing them into sequences so we've got an hour-long script and it needs to be filled with about 
probably eight, nine sequences. And so, you know, every day you're, it, it's so many similarities between journalism, but you're, you're looking for people who can tell that story for you. You're looking to get, you need the narrative arc of the whole script, but you, you're pulling in ideas and then bringing it all together. So it's, it's really similar um, in lots of ways. It's just a different, I guess it's a different medium really. Yeah, it's really interesting, the overlaps, because I know quite a few journalists that have gone into script writing for soaps on television, mm-hmm. um, particularly, maybe not so much now, but sort of 10 years or so ago when, when the soaps were still quite popular. Um, and I guess there's that kind of structure, isn't there, and that storyline that you're mm-hmm. telling. Um, so there are, yeah, there are those sort of crossovers. Um, Maddie, if we could just bring you back in. So from what I understand, you largely do shift work. Can you tell us a bit more about how you actually got that work in the first place? Yeah, so I am um, one of those good examples of how work experience can pay off, which I know it's something that you guys both really champion. Um, So with the BBC, I um, started out in BBC local radio doing their work experience through a chance encounter at a coffee shop um, with one of their producers um, who overheard me and my mates talking about politics. Um, And we all got chatting because they were looking for kind of focus groups amongst young people. Um, and one thing led to another and uh, I was at BBC Radio York doing freelancing um, after uh, doing their work experience, um, which was really, really valuable. Uh, and then with Sky, similarly, I uh, got a contact through a contact, um, just chatting to people um, on an internship I was doing who'd previously been there and said their work experience programs are a really good way in. Um, got a week there, which at the time felt like um, I totally wasted the week because I didn't really come home with many emails and no one asked me back immediately. But um, a few months down the line, I sent my CV back, reminding them of who I was. Um, and sure enough, they had uh, run a job available. So in I went. Um, so, yeah, just an example, really, of how um, just finding the right people to send an email to and a CV and reminding them politely that you're there if it doesn't work out the first time um, is definitely a, a successful route. Yeah. And I think one thing that... Um... Perhaps not so much these days, but journalists might think of themselves as being solely a print journalist or kind of print and online or solely a broadcast journalist. But the way you two have described your jobs there, it sounds like there's so many transferable skills between the two. Um, Helen, can you kind of talk a bit more about what skills you use across both both your sides of your work and also how people might kind of find and get into that work if they're interested in it sure um so i think i was really excited to so as i said i've only moved into journalism maybe two or three years ago and i was really excited to find that there's so many crossovers and that for me was just brilliant i mean everything you do um it, you in tv you're you're doing in some sense in journalism so um so to start at the beginning, just generating the ideas, you know, it's exactly the same thing. You know, I think I, I got used to, you, you maybe come up with a hundred ideas and maybe like five would go make it through to a commission. So I was so used to that world of like, it takes a long time to get ideas through. Um, so I actually really liked it when I came to journalism because it seemed if you got, if you got the right language to pitch and the right way to pitch, you the success rate was higher in journalism, I think, I don't know. Um, and I think you come you come with the skills to pitch as well. Like 
if you've pitched in journalism, you know exactly how to pitch in TV. It's just the same thing. You're selling an idea. And in TV, you're selling, um, you might be selling it to a commissioner. You might be, you might be selling it verbally, but you've still got to sell it in a document. You've still got to sell it in the same way that you would sell it in an email to an editor. Um, but you also are selling your idea on a team when you're actually working in a production team in TV as well. So all the time, because it's such a collaboration of a team, all the time you you're feeding into the script and the program. And so, you know, you might get really passionate about an idea and but you've got to convince the rest of the team. You've got to convince the series producer. So every single time you've pitched to journalism, it's going to help because you're so used to you getting those headlines in and getting that story across so there's so many and then you know your interviewing skills it's just the same it's you're going to be the person that's really good in the team because you're so used to picking up the phone and getting on the finding a good contributor you know you know straight away a good contributor a good interviewee so you've got all those skills and then the writing it's the same you know it's very different different formats but it's this you're telling stories and that's what we all do yeah yeah. And Maddie, I believe you did a history and journalism degree. Is that right? It was a joint degree. Um, and I just wonder, because you've gone into broadcast journalism, but you, you have had articles commissioned as well. Like how much, um, I guess, broadcast journalism had you done beforehand and, and was some of that self-taught? Um, and, and do you find that there's kind of differences and similarities between the two? Yeah, I think my interest initially came from, um, I'm a child of the YouTube generation. Um, I made little videos in my bedroom as a teenager um, and then kind of realising that actually my voice isn't that interesting. I don't have a very interesting story led me to journalism um, and broadcast journalism in particular, you know, using those elements of moving image and hearing people's voices, um, hearing people tell their own stories in their own voice um, became really exciting to me. Um, so the history and journalism course whilst yes was training us to be online and print journalists um actually having that background is really uh, i found attractive to broadcasters um who do see the kind of well-worn path of people going to city university and doing their broadcast ma there which is really valuable but me bringing in those slightly transferable skills of um you know being able to deep dive into research if you can deep dive it also means you can do things very I, I would hope also means you can do things quickly um, in a similar manner, whether it's um, knowing how to uh, effectively use social media um, for research or for finding contributors or just uh, from the history perspective, um, having a good eye on current affairs um, and, and keeping that knowledge up is really important. Um, and that kind of moves over into how, how, what you might consider to be a contact book. You know, now I have a legitimate physical um, strong contact book of mobile numbers of people um, who I can call in an instant if I want to get them on the telly but also if you haven't got that yet just knowing who you would call in an instant when asked on the spot is really important so you know whilst you're a student journalist for example keep an eye on who is already on telly or who might be a sideways voice that could be good on telly maybe they um, work they're an actor who has a particular interest in political matters that they talk about on social media 
um, you know, those kind of voices um, are really important to keep on top of. And I think my background in print and online prepared me well for broadcasting, um, because if you can um, effectively communicate in in the written word, um, then it shows a good kind of foresight for for planning um, and and doing something similar. Um, again, slightly sideways in broadcast. It's one thing that you've both mentioned there that's quite interesting to me because I think it's quite different to how Lily and I work is the amount of collaboration in the broadcast aspect. So you're work, you're really working within a team and you have colleagues that you're working with. If you're someone who really likes, you know, doesn't want to be on their own, a lone wolf like me, um, but kind of likes that collaboration, is kind of broadcast something where they you know, confine that where they might, it might actually suit them. It might, you know, that style of working might suit them more. Helen, what do you think about that? Um, I totally agree with you, Emma. I think that's a, it definitely, that's one of my favourite things. But I like the balance and I love how I get to work three days a week by myself. Um, you know, just get my head down. I'm not on other people's schedules as much unless I'm on a shift. Um, and then the two days I'm script writing, it, it is a total team effort. And, you know, we might even just be even writing in the same document, you know, um, and we'll be correct. We'll be going over each other's work and we'll be we'll be really chatting together and writing together. Um, and it's such a collaboration. So I, I, I really like the balance. So I think, yes, if, if you if you want to be part of the TV is so much a team effort, it's nobody's single program at the end of the day and do you find that as well maddie and do you physically go in or are you working remotely for for the two clients you work for yeah um i have the option to work from home in one of the jobs um but i do this fairly rarely now as i find absolutely that teamwork element is so important um for generating good ideas for bouncing things off people and particularly in my position getting people's um much wiser and more um kind of finely tuned editorial judgment is really important i've got a lot to learn and so actually being in that same space as those people is really helpful for me um and in my other job um it's 100% in person and even the staff um do the same thing um it is a bit more tiring and that's when the long hours um that you hear about in journalism really become um part of your life but um I guess that's what I signed up for when um choosing broadcast um journalism as a job but yeah that teamwork element is is so helpful exciting maddening at some times as well managing those personalities together um but ultimately really rewarding and Maddie do you find that because I know that one thing that we've all talked about of the thing that we love about freelancing is the variety of work um do you find that there is enough variety because I get the sense when you're in broadcast that you tend to kind of um get certain gigs that then you you're kind of working in those more regularly than perhaps you might do um in print and um, do you what how do you find that kind of variety do you find it keeps you interested enough yeah I mean obviously when you're working on um something like rolling news every day is different because it totally depends on the daily news agenda and that's enough to keep me um in a sense give me a sense of variety um I think what I do admire about 
print journalists, um, particularly like yourselves, is you've got a specialism. And so I imagine that variety um, looks quite different to what my variety might look like in the World Service um, or, or a newscast. Um, but uh, yeah, I think if if I ever do find a reason to complain that, oh, you know, we're still talking about this politician for the third day in a row, um, you forget that for most of the people in other industries, um, our, our worlds are actually a lot more uh, full of variety than than others. Um, we have different stories to talk about every day. Um, so yeah, definitely not something to take for granted um, on my part. <laughs> Yeah, that's really interesting. Um, something that I also kind of want to try and get my head around is how it actually works in terms of kind of the work you're getting. Because I think sometimes people think there aren't many freelancers in broadcast journalism, but I imagine actually it's pro probably supported by freelance journalists. But does it work in terms of like Helen with your work is it shifts or is it kind of contracts or a blend of both kind of how does it work um for me in the documentary side there's no shifts it's not at all like journalism in that sense um there's no real day work like you're brought on for a project and I guess the kind of shortest ever projects I've done I might be brought in for a development project for a week to do that but that 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 scene is really short in tv um you're mostly brought on for um projects that are maybe you know a month six months and then you often get extended so there's no day shifts in the same way um yeah so that that would be a kind of big difference but yeah it, as you say it's totally stuffed by freelancers it's just a slightly different way of freelancing like all our crews are freelance um all all the production teams mostly are freelance um it's only the managers of um really that are staff now i mean it used to be different in the big broadcasters you used to have a lot more staff positions but now it's really freelancers and then in the independent companies which there are loads to work for um it's really the owners and the heads of departments that are staff and everybody else comes in when they get the project so if you get a commission you staff up so the office numbers are up and down all the time yeah yeah and how about in journalism then maddie the shifts that you do are they on a longer term contract or or could you do a shift in one place one day and be in a completely different shift at a different broadcaster another day how does that all work yeah, I mean, in theory, um, given the kind of diary dates I've been offered, you could be a full time freelancer for one organisation is my experience. They are often crying out for staff. And so freelancers are really helpful in plugging their gaps, whether it's for staffers holiday, um, someone's ill, someone's taken on a longer term project that's where I come in um, but also on all the teams I have they have space for regular freelancers um, whether it be two freelancers per day um, or uh, one per week etc um, so yeah I again Monday is could be BBC Tuesday I'm back at Sky um, so it can kind of throw you from pillar to post a bit um, but yeah, plenty of freelancers, plenty of work in my experience. It's not the same for everybody, um, but uh, I, I haven't had had trouble in that area. Um, did that answer your question? I feel like there's a second part that I might have missed there. Well, I, I just often hear people referring to like having contracts when they start at the BBC, for example, but it's a freelance contract. So I don't know if that's the same thing as shift work or if that's something different. 
I think um, Helen might be able to shed more light on this, but in my experience, yeah, often people, if we're specifically talking about the BBC, will start as freelancers, which means like me, shift work. So it could be two days a week. It could be two days a month. Um, Eventually, if they've kind of ticked all the right boxes, they could be offered a contract, um, which is kind of the next stage to becoming staff. Um, It's not something I've experienced, um, mainly because I'm very keen to stay freelance um, because I love this lifestyle. Um, but yes, particularly at the BBC, I think that is um, kind of a well-worn path, but maybe Helen knows more about that than I do. Yeah, I think I, when, um, so I was a called a broadcast journalist at the BBC, but I worked for BBC News Online, but it was a similar thing that I started on a, a freelance contract. Is it a contract? It was freelance shifts. I had like five weeks of shift booked in. And then I moved on to a sort of temporary contract and finally a permanent contract um, for two days a week. So I think there's kind of a sort of hierarchy that you can move through if you if you choose, if you choose to. Um, obviously, if you want to stay freelance, that that's great. Um, I mean, are there any other uh, sort of differences, I suppose, between print and TV or broadcast that um people might not realize until they're in it Helen this is probably one for you having straddled both those uh yeah I think the biggest thing for me is um TV is visual and that's a really obvious thing to say but it's you're telling such visual stories and the story the narrative has to be totally right the science has to be right or whatever you're working on the history but the visuals are so important it just you you're just going to have such a boring part of tv if you haven't got the visuals and that might mean you you invent some really cool way to show those visuals or you have fantastic scenery or you you know but that's what's important in tv and um i i remember working for this amazing serious producer and she she said to me when going out onto a shoot she said just think what it tell me what that landscape smells like tell me what it looks like what will you feel if you walked barefoot through that landscape and it was and it by imagining the world like that, I was able to put that into my writing. And I guess journalists do do that as well. And, and it's just I'm doing a lot of news journalists, journalism at the minute, so it's quite different. But it's just that kind of visualising the world before you get there. And we don't always have time for recce. So it's that kind of has to come into your storytelling. And I think that for me, that's the biggest difference. Yeah, because I'm wondering how that works if you've not got the visuals yet and you're kind of writing this script based on what you think the visuals might be, but then maybe that shoot doesn't go to plan, would you then have to kind of rewrite based on the visuals? Um, you, you, I guess you'd, you spend quite a lot of time working with the people you're going to be interviewing because you're basically slotting yourself into their life. And so you spend a lot of time building up that relationship before you go. So you kind of have a good sense of what it's going to be like but yeah nothing goes to plan on a shoot so really uh, it's unusual so yeah um so you do you just have to you shoot what you can and you go with what you've got and so you go into the field with your shooting script that will never be the script that is on tv and you'll you'll then have an edit script that changes and changes and changes as you go through the edit and then you'll get a final script signed off eventually but yeah you go with the best intentions and then adapt to the landscape of the situation because so many things will go wrong. 
Yeah, and actually that's just made me think there when you're mentioning that you're working to really different deadlines in both those kind of halves of your week because you've got news that you're turning around multiple stories a day versus something that you're working on over the much longer term. Which which do you prefer? Which is the bet which is the better way of working? Well, I I got a massive shock to the system when I started working in journalism because the speed that you guys turn things around that was just incredible to me so um yeah working the first shifts I did it was just (laughs) a big jump into the deep end for that and learning to write quickly and just putting everything down um that was massive for me so yeah I do like the two days where I have a bit more time and the script doesn't have to be finished by the end of the day and yeah and it's all a, a lot of it is building the relationships with the contributors that you the story will evolve and because it's an hour long documentary usually it's it so many there's so many moving parts so you think you've got the top bit sorted and then it'll it by the next month it will have totally changed so yeah it I I, I do like the variety though but and I've I've got a lot to learn about writing at the speed of journalism <laughs> yeah but it must be nice to be able to take your time over stuff as well and kind of let things slowly evolve and um yeah because a lot of the time as journalists we can be churning stuff out particularly on shifts as well so it's definitely a different different pace I mean one thing we've not talked about is money um which is a topic um close to my heart um but Maddie maybe if we could bring you in because I think I might be right in thinking that broadcast shifts tend to pay more than print shifts is that your experience yeah, that is my experience. A day shift, um, looking at, you know, breakdowns um, I've seen online, a day shift in in uh, broadcast telly, for example, um, is a lot higher than a day shift on, on a print, uh, uh, on a print outlet. Um, and I think often you'll also find within organisations, freelancers earn more per hour than the staff. Um, which can cause tension sometimes. I I I have experience, um. But yeah, as a single person with no responsibilities, um, I'm very content with how much I I get paid. I think actually, um, it's very decent compared to where a lot of my friends are at. Um, kind of at this point, I'm sure it gets different when you have a family. Um, but. I'm also fairly in control of what I can charge. Um, you know, I've been told to up my rates by editors before um, because the budgets in in telly specifically are largely higher. Um, but it's always a tricky subject, um, of course. Uh, but yeah, I think on average, um, certainly higher than than print and online. And do you... One thing that I wondered about your working week as well, Maddie, is the if you're working on something like newscast, a podcast, uh, that's going to be really different to working on kind of breakfast TV, for example. Um, is it hard to kind of remember <laughs> the skills or, you know, the approach that you need for all those different because they've, they've also got different voices. Those, you know, those they're quite unique, aren't they? All those newscasters are very sort of certain sound and certain way it approaches topics etc is it hard to kind of keep track of of what everyone's different needs are 
Uh, yeah, totally. I mean, you are at risk sometimes as a freelancer of coming into something kind of a bit too fresh and blind if you haven't been somewhere in a while. And that's something I've really uh, kind of learned the hard way um, recently after, you know, spreading yourself too thinly across lots of different outlets. That's There's a danger in that. And there's there's a reason lots of freelancers only really freelance one organisation, I think, or one programme. Um, but yeah, it can be give you a bit of whiplash sometimes when you're, you know, looking at global news to then looking at something super local. Um, but that's the fun in it, I guess as well um and it, it's just about managing expectations really I think if you're if you're super open and honest with your editors and and um uh, are able to kind of keep them on side um then ultimately it's not too far you can go wrong but I guess you know going back to what we're talking about about the things that you didn't realize before going in or that other people might not realize that managing expectations is so much of the job um especially when you're junior like me and so I'm always reporting to somebody else I've been asked to do something by an editor I've been asked to come up with an idea I was once um when the uh when Kabul fell to the to the Taliban I got a text that I wish I'd screenshotted because it is still the craziest text I've ever received in my life and it just said I was interview producing at the Times and looking to speak with guests on telly and the text just read get me Malala now of course we're in a breaking news environment it was a Sunday I was literally the only guest producer on that's not gonna happen and it would barely happen on, on a regular day when there's a whole team of us doing the same thing so it's about working backwards from there so again in that scenario okay well I probably can't speak to Malala herself as amazing and good tv as that would be but she has a foundation she has supporters that kind of thing um so it's keeping people on side you might be asked to do the impossible from the off um but of course you don't throw that back in someone's face and say hang on mate we've only got two hours to make a program I know that's not going to happen but offering up different suggestions in such a short space of time um is what I'm really paid for <laughs> and keeping patient and calm during that is so important yeah and it's something Emma and I talk about a lot isn't it it's about problem solving so you, you will get problems um and sometimes you know it's good to discuss that with the editor but you always need to be coming up with an alternative solution rather than saying this can't be done um, and one thing you mentioned there was like working on a Sunday so again with broadcast journalism it is a good way to get in to kind of offer yourself for those um, less popular slots maybe weekends or evenings I mean how does that work is it like a 24-hour news cycle um, and, and, and just on to add to that um, you wrote a great newsletter for us that we had quite a lot of feedback on about how you have, um, I think, is it a Monday off? Um, and maybe you could tell us a bit more about that. Is that because you're doing weekend working as well? Yeah, so weekend working is obviously really common in broadcast. Um, again, staff will be asked to do that Um on a rolling rotation you as a freelancer it's totally up to you whether you want to do that or not again as someone who doesn't have a family I'm more than happy to work on weekends um because the only person I'm beholden to is myself and it does earn you some good brownie points um so there's weekend work there's night shift work which I do less and less of for mental health reasons um it's exhausting and you know the impact it can have on your physical health as well um 
in in my life just isn't isn't worth the extra extra benefits but they it is a good way again to get brownie points if that's what you're after um so yes that's why I've carved out uh time for myself on Mondays um I try uh where I can to take them off um of shift work specifically and broadcast um as it just acts as like a buffer from the weekend I might have worked both weekend days um I I might have not but just want to elongate the weekend and have an excuse to actually sit down pitch stuff research stuff rather Rather than just going through the um, what some people call journalism, sometimes it can feel like you're just churning out, you know, new story after new story with with little thought about how you might creatively approach something. So yeah, I try and carve off those Mondays, um, and uh, it does me a wonder of good for both mental health and and my creativity and career satisfaction. <laughs> yeah, and I think it does sound um, quite intense work as well. So I know that I do sort of one regular news shift a week in pulse but in uh at pulse which is a gp magazine and it's quite intense i'm doing so many stories in that day and it's kind of really heavily news focused i couldn't do that more than one day i think because i you know i need different change of pace (laughs) i just doing that all the time so i think it really makes sense your advice about kind of taking that day just to be because i think you could you could easily fall into the trap of saying yes to everything and then just exhausting yourself. Um, final question to you, Helen, is just about this multitasking, really, about juggling it all. Have you got any advice, any tips for when you do have these quite different sort of ends to your week, how you how you manage that and transition from one to the other? Um, I think Maddie's advice is actually something that I think is the best um, taking a day off and or even if you can't afford to take a day off, take half a day off just to have um, to make that transition. Um, and I think for me, I've um, I've overcommitted in, in, in taking um, new jobs as a freelance journalist. I've overcommitted and, and made the mistake of not saying no to stuff. And I think that's something I've very much learned from that you know I can't I can't do all that at the minute and I, I need to remember that I do need different days and different paces and you know I can't work all the hours in the day and so yeah I think it's about remembering that and, and trying to carve out time and and for me that's that's making time as well to do the tv work because that is a different pace and and I like I said before I really like the the different style of work so I think that helps me having that different style of work um but then the freelance journalism is 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 brilliant because it it fits around my lifestyle you know I've got young kids and it, it it's it's a lot it's a lot better fit to my life than tv is generally so it's yes it's a massive juggle and I don't really have all the answers yet but I'm still trying to find out how to do it as well yeah well we're, we're all juggling and I think it depends where you are in your career because as Maddie says you know she's she's young and energetic and she's got no kind of commitment so she can kind of do the hard slog perhaps more often um than the you know the rest of us that are a little bit older um and need to fit it around family life um and it will change throughout your career but that's the great thing about being freelance is you can kind of mold it to your life circumstances and and change um change as you see fit okay I think we're going to round up now but what we'd like to do is to ask you both for your one kind of top tip 
from today's discussion. So Maddie, if we come to you first, what would your bit of takeaway advice be? Um, my one bit of takeaway advice would be speak up about something when you're not sure about it, because things move so quickly if you're in a breaking news environment that if you go, oh, hang on, weren't we meant to blur someone's face here? Or I don't understand how this guest can talk about that or why this is related to that or whether we should be putting this person on TV at all. All those kind of um, things that you think you might be too worried to say for fear of looking like you don't know what you're talking about um they're really important to to bring up because that's where mistakes happen if you have a doubt about something just say it you know be honest about something we're not all meant to know everything but particularly in broadcast when you have so little time to make sure something's right um it's really important to make sure that that kind of first level of screening um is done and if you've got a doubt that's probably some instinct telling you um, that something might not be quite right so speaking up um, to avoid those mistakes definitely there's no stupid questions right you just everybody needs to get it right in the first instance uh, Helen same question to you what would be your one top tip you would take away from the episode today um, I think in both industries I think um, it was related to something Maddie said about solving problems quickly I think you know you might not be able to deliver exactly what they said but you know just just find a solution and and pitch that solution and and make sure it works you know i think that's just just find it quickly and do something quickly i think is a really good um tip and i think that works across both industries yeah it's having that initiative isn't it to come up with a way of, of plugging that gap Excellent. Okay. Well, as our way of sharing the freelance love, we want to ask both of you, who is the freelance journalist that has caught your eye recently? I am going to say, you're not allowed to say Amelia Tate because she's been recommended three times now. (laughs) So Maddie, who is your freelance recommendation? My recommendation is Kate Taylor. She's the founder of Feast Collective, which is a group of independent um, audio producers. And she has a long esteemed career in the BBC as a journalist and and broadcast producer. Um, And is now uh, working for lots of different people as a freelancer. Um, But she's always working to help other freelancers. I can go to her with the silliest of questions, um, whether it be advice about contacts, about how to manage something, um, and she's always at the other end of a WhatsApp. Um, And also I think one of um, her most admirable achievements is that she started the Climate Award at the British Podcast Awards the first time last year after kind of lobbying them that this kind of thing um, would bring much needed attention to the climate crisis. Um, So I think Kate is a really good example of how freelancers can help other freelancers and that crossover between journalism and podcasting um, is really important. Fantastic great shout out and excellent reason for shout out as well so uh, Helen same same question to you who would you recommend? I would recommend someone called Bella Fork who um, is a producer director I used to work with her at BBC she does amazing documentaries but she when we were going on shoots and things, she started writing blogs about 
because um, you end up going to all these weird and wonderful places and you don't necessarily see anything that tourists see and you you have all these funny experiences but they don't fit into any kind of um, typical guide or anything so she started writing these funny guides about random facts that actually they were called the unhelpful guides to so and so and so she started doing a travel blog and now she's writing for National Geographic as a freelance travel writer and she's writing for BBC World and um, she's writing for Lonely Planet and I just think she's a really good example of a freelancer that's crossed both those worlds by using what she's learned in the TV and her experiences traveling for work and she's she's now a very successful award-winning travel journalist as well. Fantastic. Well, we'll add both of those people in and their work to our show notes. So thank you very much for both of those great recommendations. Um, we're going to bring this episode to a close now, but it's been really fascinating insight. And um, I've certainly really enjoyed finding out more about how broadcast journalism and television works. And if you've enjoyed this bonus episode and you want some more bonus episodes, um, one way you can get them is to subscribe to the premium version of our newsletter. Yes, for just £3.33 a month, you can get bonus podcast episodes, but also resourceless and successful pitch examples. You can find out more if you head over to Substack and search for freelancing for journalists or head to the show notes to find the link. Yep, and if you are not already in our Freelancing for Journalists Facebook community, then head over there where there's now almost 6,000 other freelancers ready to make connections and help you with any questions that you might have. And we're also on Twitter. We're at Freelancing4. Um, and for a moment last week, Emma and I both had exactly the same amount uh, of followers on Twitter although she's picked me to the post now and overtaken. So there's there's a bit of a, a battle going on there. So if you want to follow me, I'm at Lily Cantor. Uh, and if you want me to win the competition, <laughs> I'm at Emma Gerno. Um So yeah, thank you so much to Helen and Maddie, who also help us put together and produce these uh, the podcast series. And that's the end of series nine. And we'll be back with more podcasts next year. Goodbye for now. Bye.